trust the movement I negate the chaos Uplift the negative I'll show up at the table Again and again Welcome to Grassroot Ohio Conversations with everyday people Working on important issues Here in Columbus and all around Ohio I'm Carolyn Harding And today I'm talking with Paul Sherlock And Molly Martin Both advocates for the homeless In Cleveland, Ohio Paul is a longtime environmental, anti-war, and social justice activist. He took part in the Great March for Climate Action, spent four and a half weeks at Standing Rock protesting the Dakota Access Pipeline. He took part in protests for Tamir Rice in Cleveland, and he's been arrested multiple times for protesting fracking and the Trump health care cuts. Paul is an advocate for the homeless, 15 years of weekly outreach, meeting the homeless where they live. For the past eight years, he's been involved with the Metanoia Project, a nonprofit organization that runs an overnight hospitality center for shelter-resistant homeless, serving for four and a half of those years as board president. He is involved in the current fight Metanoia is having, having with the city of Cleveland. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Carolyn. Glad to be here. So on Christmas Eve, the homeless shelter located in the Denison United Church of Christ in Cleveland's Ward 11 was given notice to shut down. That's pretty harsh. Can you give us an idea who these people, who these folks are that live in this particular shelter? So uh, what the Metanoia Project um, was uh, created to do is work with people that were falling through the gaps of the shelter system, uh, people that would not go to shelters uh, for a variety of reasons um, and chose instead to uh, sleep on the streets. Um, people were, uh, of course, in those situations dying because they were uh, succumbing to the elements, um, and Metanoia uh, came in to fill that gap and work with uh, what I like to define as the shelter-resistant homeless. Can you explain what a shelter-resistant homeless person is and why they might be this way? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I identify a person that's in uh, that is shelter resistant uh, as the most uh, vulnerable uh, person uh, out there, a uh, group of people out there, because uh, they are putting themselves in harm's way um, under some extreme weather conditions that we uh, have here in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Um, they're also more likely to be uh, have, suffering from uh, mental incapacitation due to the harsh environment mm-hmm. in which they live, mm-hmm. and um, and <clears throat> so uh, it, it's 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 uh, a difficult can be a difficult population to connect with. And as far as some of the reasons why people choose not to go to shelters. Uh, and we do have a, a rather robust shelter system here in Cleveland. But uh, uh, there are many uh, 
barriers that that people uh, deal with uh, in going to the regular shelter system. Uh, for example, uh, you in order to check in uh, to 2100, which is 2100 Lakeside, the men's shelter, uh, you have to go through a metal detector and you have to uh, get wanded and people check your backpacks. And, and for, for many, that's an invasion of privacy that they are resistant to. Um, another example of why somebody might choose to be on the street versus uh, going to the shelter is the fact that they don't know who they're going to sleep next to that mm-hmm. night. And maybe they're going to encounter a person that's going through a raging psychosis or or, or having uh, trouble with their addiction and are in, in the you know in an altered state um, there's also violence there's also uh, theft and uh, so for those reasons and and many others uh, people are saying they don't want to be part of that shelter system even uh, though they, uh, even though they'd ahead. be out in the cold and freezing cold even though be a, absolutely I mean they know they know the decision they're making and I don't. I don't want to say that they understand the risks, uh, but they understand that there is a risk. Certainly, mm-hmm. uh, people do uh, freeze to death. We had uh, one person freeze to death uh, last year mm-hmm. in Cleveland during the polar vortex. So it is a reality. But uh, I, I think. I think what I would share with people is that this is something that I think is relatable. I think we could all understand different components of why somebody might say, you know, I don't want to deal with that. I um, do. I, I understand that. I do. So, so it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very real thing. Uh, we, uh, at Metnoia are getting, uh, upwards of 110 people a night on average. So, there, these are the people that are staying away from the 2100s of the world and the women's shelter and, and so on. And so this is a project, Metanoia. Am I saying that right? The Metanoia Project, Metanoia yes. Metanoia Project. They are focused on the shelter-resistant homeless. Is that right? Yes, exactly. So what happened and why did the city shut you down on Christmas Eve. Why? And what are you going to be able to do about it? So, uh, you know, as far as knowing exactly what happened, um, you know, I'm not privy to to those uh, behind-the-scenes details, but um, my strong suspicion and understanding of uh, what happened uh, is based on events leading up to the cease use that was issued to us. And this is all stemming from the councilwoman uh, whose ward the Denison United Church of Christ is in, which is the location, uh, our, our Metanoia's second location. Uh, Dona Brady, Councilwoman Dona Brady, did not want 
a homeless shelter operating in her ward, and she uh, decided to pursue different uh, actions against us, notifying the building department, which then uh, prompted the fire department to come out. And from the fire department is where we were issued the CCs. Okay. So the um, pastor of the church, she is in full um, solidarity with the Metanoia Project, and she has mm-hmm. yes. um, embraced this um, incredible mission. And, yes. Um, how involved is she in these uh, negotiations? Very involved. She's 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 a she's a partner at the table on on our behalf. What is her name? Nozomi Ikuda. Okay. That's uh, if you want the spelling, it's N O Z O M I, and I K U T A is her last name. I don't think that many churches would embrace something like this easily. Is that the case? Um, did you have to look far and wide for this, for the second uh, we, facility? So we were we were uh, caught in a predicament. Uh, at the end of last season, April of 2019, uh, we were uh, limited in size uh, at our primary location, which is located at uh, St. Malachi School, um, and uh, we were restricted to 45 guests that could stay there overnight, and uh, we're averaging 110, mm. and so we had to uh, accommodate 65 people. So our focus was on what can we do over the next seven months to ensure space for those 65 people and, uh, and and as well come up with the necessary funding to operate two locations. So that was our primary uh, effort. We did have some churches willing to house people on in a smaller capacity, mm-hmm. say 15 or 20 people, mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, which is something you know we want to look at uh, for the future, but right now we knew we didn't have the necessary funding to operate multiple locations, right. logistically, staff-wise, rent-wise, you name it. So, uh, um, so we just we had settled on on the on the Denison Church. So there were other. Organizations, other churches that uh, were open to working with us in some capacity, but not not fulfilling the need that we had, which is to make sure sixty five people were taken care of. So, Paul, is the is the facility in working right now? Is it running, or have they shut you down? And what is the short term solution for this? problem and also the long-term problem issue sorry long-term solutions Certain. for this problem sure. certainly um, <clears throat> so uh, Metanoia is still operating at both of its locations okay. uh, where we are at in the this process of the cease use uh, being issued so it came from the fire department we had to appeal within seven days uh, to uh, in 
uh, an entity called the building uh, a board of building standards and uh, my understanding of the process is the board of building standards will set a hearing date um, as to a time frame I'm not sure I've heard that it could happen as quickly as a couple of weeks I've heard that it could be delayed uh, for a period of time. I, I suppose that just uh, depends on the politics of the issue. Uh, so so we're in that period where we're waiting to hear back from the Board of Building Standards as to when this hearing will be held. Now, depending on where that is held, uh, we or when that is held, uh, we, uh, well, let me first say this, uh, we're most certainly, the, the Board of Building Standards will most certainly find in favor of the fire department. Um, they usually don't go against the recommendations of the fire department. Um, so we would, at that point, then have the ability to file an injunction. Mm -hmm. And we would uh, also, if necessary, have an ability to file a second injunction. So if those injunctions were granted, that would allow us to stay open uh, longer while the, you know, while we're appealing the uh, board's uh, decision. Um, so it's a long process. Meantime, it's a long process. Yeah, it is a long process. And in the meantime, uh, you know, we're, we're, trying to have dialogue with the city as to uh, as to ways to keep us open um, at least throughout the season um, and then we can start having uh, a, a, a serious conversation about the longer term plans uh, for Metnoia. So in short to your answer about uh, a short-term solution, it would be uh, having the city allow us to work through the season uninterrupted um, and then uh, then continue the conversation uh, as we want to then transition into our longer-term plan. And our longer-term plan is... Um, so metanoia, why we are able to uh, attract people that will not go to the 2100s uh, of the world uh, is that we lower the barriers that I talked about earlier where uh, we don't check backpacks, we don't ask people ID, we don't wand them, we don't um, uh, run them through metal detectors. And, and, and it, it, makes our space more inviting to people that oftentimes are a little distrustful or very distrustful of the system and of other people. And, and we treat people with dignity and we build, we work to build relationships with them. Mm. So in that mindset, our longer term objectives would be to open up a series of smaller venues, <clears throat> as I alluded to before about the uh, churches willing to shelter 15 to 20 people, uh, you know, have smaller venues 
uh, where where these groupings of 15 to 20 people uh, could go to and, and have these sites spread throughout the city and possibly even the county, depending on need, and allowing people that are in a neighborhood that maybe it would be too far to come to one of our two shelters that we're operating now, uh, be able to go to a smaller satellite site because it's just around the corner from them and continue to focus on the relationship aspect of our mission, which is our foundation, and that, that not only builds that trust that allows them to feel comfortable in our space, but also gives them the tools to step up and out of their current situation. Because I see, I've read a lot that it's usually four out of five people would, if given a lot of help, can get out of homeless situation. But then there's that 20% that, you know, are maybe shelter resistant that have so much um, vulnerability and need that they need um, a special place like you are providing. Are you connected with other agencies to help um, the, your your um, guests if they need help in mental health or just food, uh, clothing? Um, how do you are you just a place for them to stay overnight? Sure. No. Uh, so, uh, what we do, and and and, and mind you, Carolyn, uh, we are with all the things that have been unfolding over the past year concerning having to find the second location and finding the revenue to to operate them, uh, some of the programming that we uh, normally have have taken a back burner as far as, okay, how is this going to look at two locations instead of just one? But uh, we do... Uh, in in the past and what I would certainly hope would continue because this is part of the relationship building is that we we provide mental health screening and medical health screening Mm -hmm. we uh, we we have uh, counseling programming you know meaning like group counseling uh, conversations and such to again try to draw people up and out of their out of their shell Um, we we provide we do housing intake so we're we're sitting down and talking with people about their housing needs and and trying to identify where we might be able to plug them in Mm -hmm. Uh, we we provide um, help uh, in getting IDs uh, so that which is critical for someone that uh, wants to get into housing, they need an ID. So wow. this is you do help a, a lot. Conti- help this them is a, a continuum. Lot. Yes, this is a continuum of the relationship uh, that we we really emphasize, so that people know that they have a resource and that they can look to us to guide them through the process. They can, as they develop trust in us, then. They're, they're allowing us to uh, work with them to navigate, which can be a complicated process. Paul, we have about 30 more seconds, and I would like you to give our listeners a, 
a website of how they can reach out, how they could help give donations or help sponsor. What's your website? It's uh, metanoiaproject.org, M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A project, P-R-O-J-E-C-T dot org. Paul, thank you so much for having the compassion and the love to work with people that that need it the most. And um, we will make sure people get your information. And thank you so much for being on Grassroots. Thank you very much, Carolyn. Uh, much appreciated that you're out there spreading the, the good news about uh, people from all walks of life uh, uh, helping out in the community. So thank you for your efforts as well. well thanks so much. This is Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, Columbus, and streaming worldwide at WGRN.org. For this portion of our show, I'm talking with Molly Martin, the Development and Communications Coordinator for the Northeast Ohio Coalition for the Homeless. She grew up in Cleveland and is a graduate of the University of Michigan. She lived in Nashville, working for the Metropolitan Homelessness Commission and The Contributor, a street newspaper sold by people experiencing homelessness. She recently received a Master of Public Policy at the University of Virginia, focused on policy strategies for community wealth building and racial equity. At the Northeast Ohio Coalition for Homeless, she is responsible for development, communications, assists in advocacy, and organizes special initiatives. Welcome, Molly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be on. So how does your organization interface with the homeless of Cleveland? Yes, at the Northeast Ohio Coalition for the Homeless, we approach homelessness holistically. We organize and empower people who are experiencing homelessness by centering their voices through a number of different advocacy initiatives. We have a homeless congress that meets monthly, and we also hold monthly workshops for homeless service providers that helps them um, better interact directly with the population of people experiencing homelessness and just makes them more equipped in the work that they do, being aware more of the systemic issues related to homelessness and how there are a lot of different um, multidisciplinary issues that, that come in into the issue of homelessness and around the work that our community does to address it. And we also create nurturing environments and have a number of street outreach workers that work directly with people who are sleeping outside and in places not meant for human habit- habitation. Um, but we really focus on relationship building and centering the voices of people by working with government entities, uh, community activists, all the organizations working to end homelessness, and then, of course, the people on the streets themselves who are currently in that experience. So how is um, your group helping to keep the doors open for the Denison UCC shelter for shelter-resistant folks? Yeah, so we're kind of taking two different approaches with that. The first is that as an advocacy organization, we we have been involved in planning a number of different protests at City Hall in the most recent city council meeting to get people who want to support the Metanoia Project and Denison UCC for them to call on city council members and city officials to recognize the role that this church is playing in our community's cold weather response. Mm -hmm. And then the second side of that, other than like organizing the people power around raising awareness for that issue, is trying to convene different stakeholders from city and county government, different nonprofits, and with the Metanoia Project and the church itself 
to come together and to create a more formal cold weather plan where we have a you know community agreement around looking at all the different services that are offered during the winter to provide shelter for people on the streets and how do we formally acknowledge that what the work that metanoia is doing and specifically at this church is really filling a critical gap in our community's cold weather plan right so on the policy end of it too we're, we're trying to work to formalize that so it could help um, garner the support that they need to stay open what are the uh, short-term solutions that you guys can help with the shelter and also some of the long-term um, solutions that you have? I think in the short term, I mean, the church was issued a cease use notice, and um, they have legal representation now, and they're appealing that. Mm -hmm. So I think that in the short term, you know, engaging all of city council, engaging with the safety director, making sure that they receive funding and the support to make sure that they're in compliance with the fire department to help build their case. Mm -hmm. We'll ensure that when they have a hearing in a couple of weeks that they're in the best position to kind of uh, win that appeal process so that the church can be in good standing to continue for the rest of the winter season. Sounds like you but guys are advocates for, for actually on-the-ground activists. You yeah, I mean, we try to remain nimble and responsive to things as they come up, and this is something that just kind of, you know, started happening once the winter season started and mm -hmm. in December, and, and we've just tried to be really responsive to that. Um, I've got a question. To answer your question on oh, the yeah. long-term, mm -hmm. yeah, on the long-term solution to this issue, I think a really important component of a long-term cold weather plan is that through their appeal process and through our collaboration with city council and other homeless service providers is we really want to encourage them to not set the precedent where you're requiring a church to change their type of use from a from a church to a shelter or even when it comes to a temporary permit i think that would set a bad precedent because based on the research we've done on communities who have cold weather plans a lot of those communities and nashville is one of them where i used to work they allow churches to offer this hospitality service as a worship activity for the church itself. And I think the most, like, if we could minimize the amount of burden that it is on a church to provide this gap during the winter as part of our cold weather plan, yes. um, I think in the long term we would want to encourage council to not require that sort of action that's being imposed on Denison UCC right now. Molly, if someone, like Vi, come in contact with a person that's in need in, in harsh weather, that's in need of a shelter, what would a person like I, what would be, what would be the best thing for me to do um, if I didn't know if this person, you know, was mentally stable and, but, but they needed help, where would I go? Where yeah. would people go? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think if you're interacting with someone who's in that crisis, I think asking their name, trying your best to like humanize the situation they're in and then knowing that you know we do have guaranteed access to shelter in Cleveland and Cuyahoga County and most people go through a coordinated intake process to get into a shelter bed um, but I think what is so difficult about the situation is that regardless of that guaranteed access to shelter there are around 150 maybe even up to 200 people that we know will not go through the county shelter system right and those are the people that are most at risk during the winter months so I think calling on Metanoia in a place where we know that someone could have a warm place to sleep would be a viable option for someone, especially if you know they might not go through the standard shelter system. But I'm not in Cleveland. Is there a place or a number I can call, or should I call Metanoia and have them advise us? Right. I mean, I think what you're getting at is a good question, because if someone calls through coordinated intake, as far as like what's the option for someone who doesn't want to go to one of the major shelters, um, I think if you call 211 or if you're calling coordinated intake and you're asking about that, 
Or, I mean, honestly, people can call the Northeast Ohio Coalition for the Homeless and describe their situation, and we do everything we can to to see what their needs are. And I know that our staff is trained and our outreach workers are trained to know that metanoia exists. So we hope, based on the relationships that our outreach workers have, that they would have that resource available to tell them about metanoia so they can get them linked there. And what, the is, what is your um, website? Yeah, so the, the Coalition's website is neoch.org. And it has our phone number, it has a form someone could fill out that directly gets sent to our email, and then we would send that to the person who directs our outreach collaborative and communicates on a daily basis with the outreach workers to actually get information about where someone is on the street right now and where they can be found, and our outreach workers will actually go out and meet them where they are. Hey, Molly, thanks so much. This is the time I have, but thank you for your work, for helping the people that most need us, and um, and I'm so grateful that you're on Grassroot Ohio. Yeah, well, I really appreciate the platform that you have and that you're, you've are you been willing to talk to us, and I'm, I'm really happy to get this story out there. We think it's really important. We appreciate your support. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.